sometimes in my life, my focus begins to shift and I take my eyes off the one who has never left me. Check your focus. How do you know if your focus is shifting? You always know your focus is shifting by watching what you talk about. I can always tell what your focus is by listening to the words that come out of your mouth. For the word of God says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I could also tell you this, whatever you're saying will determine the direction of your life because life and death are in the power of the tongue. So whatever you are speaking will determine where your life is going. Could I ask you this question? What has your conversation been saying about the direction of your life? Where is your life headed? Well, pastor, how do I change what I'm saying? You can always change what you're saying by changing the way that you're thinking. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Could I tell you the importance of changing the way you think? Remember the woman with the issue of blood? The Bible says that she could produce blood, but she could not maintain blood. And a lot of times that's us Christians, right? We can produce a spiritual experience, but we cannot maintain it on Tuesday. So we have to come back on Sunday to get another experience, but this had nothing to do with my sermon and all, but I just wanted to tell you that some of us have a problem maintaining. And this woman with the issue of blood, she hears that Jesus is coming. She's tried all the doctors. She's tried all the medicine. She's tried everything that she knows to try. And I've heard preach my entire life that her life changed the minute that she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. But could I beg you to think a little bit differently? Because I believe the miracle really happened when the word of God says, for she thought within herself, if I can just touch him, I can be made whole. One thought made her life move to action to grab the hem of Jesus' garment. If you want to change the direction of your life, if you can change the way you think right now, you will change the way you speak. And if you change the way you speak, you will change the way you move. Check your focus. If I was a master bow and arrow shooter, and I'm not, I'm a master buffet eater. If I was a master bow and arrow shooter and I was trying to hit the exit sign from right here with a bow and arrow, I would not pull back my bow and arrow and aim directly at my target because gravity would grab the arrow and pull the arrow down by the time I got to my target so I would miss my target every single time. If I wanted to truly hit the exit sign, I would have to aim at something higher to hit the target that is lower. And when giants are trying to torment your life, you never focus on the target that is the giant if you're ever going to truly defeat the target that is the giant, you're going to have to aim a little bit higher. And if you aim a little bit higher on God, he always takes the arrow and defeats the giant that you're standing in front of. Check your focus. It can change your life. Check your focus. That's number one. Number two, check your source. What are you connected to? What are you plugged into? If you try to vacuum at home and you do not plug your vacuum into the wall, your vacuum will not work. And if it does work, it means your house is haunted and you should move away and burn it immediately. Because <laughs> I'm terrified of two things, ghosts and snakes. 
So terrified of snakes, I don't eat gummy worms. I'm terrified. True story. The other day it was pitch black in my bedroom. My shoes are by my bathroom and I was walking to the bathroom in the pitch black. Evidently, I bumped into my shoe and my untied shoestring slithered across my foot and I dove on the bed in my bedroom because I thought a snake had got a hold of me and I can't handle that. And a lot of you wish you'd have been there to see that. And a lot of you are wondering how I don't have a new basement because I dove, but the bed grabbed me and I made it. I don't like snakes. It's not for me. And and I don't like ghosts. Now, what are you connected to and what are you plugged into? Can I teach you for four minutes and then we'll preach again. When God was trying to make fish, when God was trying to make fish, he did not speak to air to make fish. He spoke to water to make fish and he looked at water. This is common sense, right? He looked at water and he said, let there be fish. And when he said, let there be fish, Nemo and Dory showed up in the water. Finding Nemo, Bruce, dude, all that, all that stuff. Nemo and Dory, goldfish, crappy, whatever's in the water begin to show up now. The source is what God speaks to and the creation is what he says. Are you with me so far? If you ever remove the creation out of the source, the creation cannot survive outside of the source. So if I remove the fish out of the water, it is only a matter of time before the fish will die because the creation is dependent on the source. When God wanted to make flowers, he did not speak to water to make flowers. He spoke to dirt to make flowers. The source is what he spoke to, dirt. The creation is the flower of what he said. If you remove the flower outside of the dirt, the flower will wither up and die because it has been removed from the source. Now, what did God speak to when he created me and you? I'm glad you asked because the book of Genesis says this. Now, let us create man in our image. Who is God talking to when he says that? He is talking to himself. He speaks to himself when he has the thought of creating man. What does that mean? The creation is us. The source is God. And if you ever remove you out of God spiritually, you will always die. Have you ever met someone in your life who was moving around, smiling at the right times, laughing at the right times, going to work at the right times, but you knew there was something about them that was spiritually not living. Could it be that they have gotten disconnected from the source? Check your focus. Check your source. And I've got 13 minutes. Check your source. And number three, check your covenant. David hears about a giant named Goliath. A giant that is towering over the people. The spear of Goliath was ginormous. The body armor was intimidating. And David hears people talking about what's going to happen for whoever defeats this giant. You're gonna get riches, you're gonna get the king's daughter, and you're never gonna have to pay taxes again. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now understand, everything that God does, God does in covenant. 
In the Old Testament, when you committed sins, you had to kill animals. And the, the shedding of the animal's blood would cover the Old Testament sin. But we are glad today that Jesus came. And because he died on a cross, when his blood is shed, it covers our sin. We don't have to kill animals anymore. We go directly to the throne of God and that covers our sin. But there was another covenant in the Old Testament between God and man. And this is probably not a very churchy term, but I've got to say it to prove a point. And it was the covenant of circumcision. The covenant of circumcision, that when the man was circumcised, there was a covenant between God and the man that was circumcised. If you understand that concept, it brings to life the scripture because what David was actually saying was, I don't care how big he is, I don't care how ugly he is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Do you know what he was literally saying? I know he's big, but he's standing on land that he does not have the covenant to possess. And he may be larger than me and he may be bigger than me and he may be stronger than me, but he does not have the covenant that I have. And because he does not have the covenant that I have, he is standing on land that belongs to me and not him. Listen, I know some of your giants are big and I know some of your giants are strong and they've told you you're never gonna make it out of this. But could I beg you to realize that the covenant that God gave you on the cross is stronger than any giant that you're ever going to face. There is power in your covenant. Ah. I, I was growing up. I was growing up and I was a 15 year old kid and I just got my, my license, my day license. And I had dismissal from school and my dad would call me sometimes at three o'clock and he would say, hey, do you want to make $45? And I'd go, yeah, that's 45 McChickens add pickles. Of course I do. And he worked at Mullins Motors in Mullins, South Carolina as a parts manager. And he would pay me $45, the dealership would, to drive from Mullins to Florence. It would be like a trip from here to Anderson, pick up a part, bring the part back so they could fix Miss Betty's carburetor. And I would drive and I would pick up the carburetor and I'd bring it back and here you go, daddy. And daddy would say, here's $45. I understand for a 15 year old kid, $45 is a lot of money. Well, one Saturday morning at eight o'clock in the morning, my phone rings and it's my dad. Now, number one, I was mad because on Saturdays, a high school student don't like to wake up at eight o'clock. A high school student should say, amen. Yeah. Thanks you for the four. Appreciate that guys. Uh, and daddy said, and I'll never forget it because it woke me up dead sleep. He said, do you want to make $175? And I said, you have my attention. <laughs> he said, it's a big job now. This is something you've never done before. And I said, okay. He said, I need you to go from Mullen, South Carolina to Fayetteville, North Carolina. It's about an hour and 45 minute trip, like the trip I just made from Gaffney to here. Now understand, I was a 15 year old kid who had never driven on the interstate. But for $175, I'll tackle alligator. <laughs> so I, 
I began to look up the direction. I said, Daddy, I can do this. You can trust me. I'm the man. And I don't remember a time um, without GPS, but when I was 15 years old, like to come here today, I typed in North Wahala Church of God, go, and it gave me directions to the parking lot of this church. But back in those days, cell phones didn't have GPS. We had Snake. Remember Snake when you played Snake with... Okay, maybe that's just me. Ha <laughs> ha, funny, Brad. Um, and we would play Snake, and we didn't have those type of things, but we had this amazing tool called MapQuest. You remember MapQuest? Now, MapQuest, we thought we were something when MapQuest came. So we took MapQuest, and I typed in my starting location, Mullins, South Carolina, Crown Cadillac in Fayetteville, North Carolina, print, and the directions came out, and I began to follow. Get on I-95, drive 110 miles, exit off of the interstate, take a left, take a right. And I was doing really good until I exited off the interstate, to which I realized I am now lost and have no idea where I am. I don't know who to call. I don't know how to get to this dealership of Crown Cadillac. I pulled up in a gas station. I asked the milkman. I asked the bread man. I asked the cashier. And nobody seems to know where Crown Cadillac is. The Coliseum in Fayetteville is named the Crown Coliseum. Somebody's got to have money. Can somebody tell me how to get to this place? Finally, there's a guy walking a dog. And he says, okay, here's how you get there. And if I ever see this guy, I'm drop kicking him on sight. When I pull out of the gas station, I take a, he said, take a left. Go to the stop sign, take a right. Go to the red light, take another left. When you get to that stop sign, take a right and you'll be there. I said, thank you, sir. You're a lifesaver. So I pull out the parking lot, take a left. Go to the stop sign, take a right. Go to the red light, take a left. Stop sign, take a right. And when I do that, they are two men with machine guns pointed in my face. Don't gasp for air. Where were you that day when I needed help? He said, sir, just like that. What are you doing here? And I rolled down my window, true story, and I said, please don't kill me. <laughs> he chuckled a little bit and I said, I think I'm going to make it. He said, you are not authorized to be on this property. What had happened was I took the wrong right and I ended up on the military base, Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I was somewhere that I should not have been. And the guy said, I need you to turn around immediately because you do not have the credentials to be on the land that you are standing on. And I wish somebody would hear me in the spirit. Giants are trying to tower over you, but you have the authority in the spirit to look back at your giants and say, devil, you do not have the credentials to be standing on my land. I need you to turn around immediately. Does somebody have the boldness to look at your giants and say, you need to get off of here. You are not qualified to be standing on what is mine. You don't have the credentials. You don't have the credentials. Listen, your giant is huge, but your covenant is stronger. Your battle is very taxing, but your covenant is stronger. Reality, your giant has a spear, your giant has armor, your giant has height, but he does not have a covenant. And because you have a covenant, you always win if you're willing to fight.
Alec, come help me, whoever's coming to the keys. When I was younger, um, probably around that same 15-year-old age range, I was a big WWE wrestling fan. Not as much anymore. When I was younger, my favorite wrestler, and some of you probably remember him, was a guy named Sting. Remember Sting? He had the black and white face paint, and then back in the day, he had that bright colored face paint, and he would come out with the Stinger splash, and he was my hero. So they were coming to Florence, South Carolina to wrestle, and mom and daddy bought me tickets and surprised me. And I'm going to see Sting. And the main event that night at the Florence Civic Center was Sting, and I know everybody knows this guy, versus Ric Flair. And I'm there and they surprised me because my seats were right on the aisle so I could tag hands of the wrestlers as they went by. I was tough stuff, let me tell you. Well, it come and I watched all the matches and the road warriors were out there fighting and all these people were fighting and the main event comes for the belt. Sting was the champion. And Sting's music hits and he walks out and my mom and dad before the event, remember the foam fingers and it had Sting number one on it. And I was holding my foam finger and Sting walked by, looked at me and gave me a thumbs up and I thought I was the man. Sting just looked at me and gave me a thumbs up. And about that time the music hits, And Ric Flair comes walking out in his robe and they get to the ring and they're fighting and Ric Flair puts Sting in the figure four and Sting is doing the Stinger splash and puts him in the scorpion death lock. And when he puts him in the scorpion death lock, Ric Flair taps out at the scorpion death lock and the guy that I come to see won the battle. Woo, go Sting! You the man, you the man Sting! You my hero! And we were filing out the arena and I had my sting number one foam finger. And as we were walking out, a group of three men snatched my foam finger and ran the other way. Now my mama, my sweet mama, would never hurt nobody. You ever wanna make a mama mad, mess with their babies? Any mama like that in here, you like mess with my babies, you want to, I'll pop these fake nails off and me and you'll just go to fighting right now. My mama, my sweet mama, would never hurt anybody. She come and she had this death look on her face and I was scared and she said, who got it? I said, mama, I don't know, but they went that way. It was three men. She said, I'll be back. I said, mama, those three men will beat you down. And I'll never forget the statement that she made to me at the Florence Civic Center. She said, baby, for you, the fight's worth it. Mama took off in the crowd. About three minutes passed and she came back holding my sting number one. (laughs) Foam finger. I'll never forget the statement that she made for you. The fight is worth it. And some people in this room, your giants are looking at your kids 
and your giants are looking at your schools and the giants are looking at your coworkers and the world's saying, just give up, you're never gonna make it. Just give up, you're never gonna overcome. Why don't you just lay down, you're never gonna win. But I wish somebody in this room would get the boldness to look back at giants and say, for my family, the fight's worth it. For my kids, the fight is worth it. For my job, the fight is worth it. For this church, the fight is worth it. For Wahala High School, the fight is worth it. For my grandson, the fight is worth it. For my daughter, the fight is worth it. Anybody believe in this room? It's worth the fight. It's worth the fight. Come on, will you stand with me all over this room? I wanna pray for you. I don't know your giant, but I know your covenant. And somebody in this room tonight has got to look at a giant and say, you are unauthorized to be standing where you're standing. I know they've told you your son will never get off drugs. I know they've told you your granddaughter's never going to come back to church. But I believe it's time some of us get bold and say, giant, you are a liar. Devil, you are a liar. My daughter will be saved. My baby will be saved. You are not authorized to stand here anymore. Anybody got the boldness? Anybody know that your covenant is stronger? Anybody want to see your high school saved for Jesus? Anybody want to see your job filled with the Holy Spirit? Anybody want your relationship, your marriage, your boyfriend, your girlfriend filled with the Spirit of God? It won't happen by trying to do better. It will only happen when you get in God, experience a covenant that cannot be broken. Your covenant is stronger than your giant. We're ready to fight. It's worth the fight. It's worth the fight. Let's pray, God. I said what you told me to say. I did what you told me to do. God, now I pray right now that you do what you told me you would do. God, I pray on the way up here when I was riding in my truck by myself that some grandkids had wandered away. But tonight we exercise our covenant and they're sitting in homes not looking for Jesus. But my prayer is that God finds them. Our covenant stronger than our giants I'm ready to fight I'm ready to fight I'm ready for war I'm ready for battle knowing that this battle belongs to you anybody got anything worth fighting for I'd love to fight with you in this altar at the count of three if you know it's worth the fight I want you to move to this altar and I'd love to pray for you the band's going to come. Somebody's going to come sing, whoever it is. But at the count of three, if you need to fight, I want you to come find a place in this altar. I'm going to come pray with you. Are you ready? One, don't miss it. The battle is worth it. Two, your covenant is stronger. Three, if that's you, move right now. 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 When you get here, just lift your hands. Begin to worship God. I'm coming to pray with you. Any council members in here that can help me pray, I need you. Any staff members, I need you. Any pastors, I need you. If you're not praying, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. Jessica, will you help me pray? Will you help me pray? 
Come on, somebody in this altar, say, my covenant is stronger. I want you to call it out. I want you to call out what the enemy's trying to take from you. And I want you to say, depression, you're not authorized to stand here. Addiction, you're not authorized to stand here. We exercise our covenant. Come on, mama. Come on, dad. Come on, grandma. Come on, teacher. Come on, high school student. Shut up, shut up.